0: This is the InFocus Podcast from The Hindu. Welcome to the InFocus Podcast. My name is Jayan Sriram and I'm your host for today. In this episode, we turn once again to China and to policy decisions on family planning and population. About three weeks ago, on the 11th of May, we discussed China's population census figures and why their declining birth rates were a cause of concern. The reaction to those numbers has been swift. And just earlier in the week, the Chinese Communist Party announced that they've introduced a three-child policy, just six years after abandoning the one-child policy of 1979. The move, according to the Politburo, is to improve China's population structure, actively respond to the ageing population, and preserve the country's human resource advantages. I am going to be discussing this latest development once again with the Hindus' China correspondent Anand Krishnan. And we would urge our listeners to also listen to our last episode on the subject, which we link to along with this podcast. During the course of our conversation, we also make reference to some articles and reports, and you can find those also along with the show notes. Welcome back to the podcast, Anand. Happy to have you here as always. Thank you so much, Jan. Right. So, Anant, uh, three weeks ago, we did a podcast on the census figures for China, and we spoke about the demographic changes happening there we covered a lot of ground basically on how the effect of things like the one child policy over the years, Right. Um, we currently today, we're discussing the news that China has perhaps in response to those numbers, relaxed its right. two child policy now to a three child policy. So let's just uh, first start with just to get an idea of how this announcement was made and what the, and how, how did the, how did the Chinese Politburo kind of flesh it out in terms of, you know, what they were thinking in this policy change?
1: Right. So, uh, as you said, Giant, on May 11th, uh, when we last spoke, uh, China had come out with its once-in-10-year t- population census. Uh, and I think the numbers were quite alarming for many people in China in terms of uh, the number of births over the last 10 years. Uh, the number of births in 2020 was the lowest since 1961. The 16 and above population now accounts for 18.7% of the total population in the country. So all of this is not new. I mean, people were expecting this trend in China, but the speed of the trend is what worried people. And I didn't expect we would be back in three weeks having another conversation on uh, China's population. And that's because I think right. uh, many people didn't expect this announcement so soon after the census. So on May 31st, 20 days after the census, uh, the Politburo of the Communist Party, the 25-member Politburo had a meeting chaired by President Xi Jinping. And they came out with a long list of uh, announcements. And the purpose of this meeting uh, was to discuss uh, measures to tackle the aging problem. Uh, So the fact that this meeting actually happened just 20 days after the census had at least one demographer, Yi Fushen, who has been a critic of China's family planning, he told the the South China Morning Post that he believed the urgency suggested that perhaps the numbers were actually worse than what the official census even said. So what they announced after this May 31st Politburo meeting, the big takeaway was, of course, the introduction of a three-child policy, which means that couples for the first time, wherever they are in China, in urban China, rural China, can have three children. And that has never been the case since family planning was introduced in the 1970s. Uh, and with the one-child policy of 1979. Now, just to give listeners a bit of background, it's not that the one-child policy has been a blanket policy that's been in place since the 2000s. There were some exceptions. Uh, If you lived in rural China, for example, and your first child was a daughter, you could have a second child. If you were in a family where both the parents were only children, you could have a second child. Uh, The rules were actually... Relaxed giant in 2013, where China said, because of these aging trends, that if one parent was an only child, then they could have two children. Right. But then they found that there really wasn't a big boost. Uh, since, so then they further expanded this to say, in 2015, now everybody could have two children or a two child policy. Right. So this is the third big relaxation we've seen uh, in the last 10 years. The fact that you've seen three big relaxations in the last 10 years shows you that the measures really haven't been working. Now, looking at the Politburo announcement, they do stress that the teacher child policy is obviously the big takeaway, but we can also speak about in detail what some of the other measures are, uh, which kind of suggests how they do understand that the falling birth rates is not just a question of limits or restrictions that are being placed, but there are also broader societal, economic factors as well that have posed a huge hindrance and discouraged people in China from having many children.
0: Right. No, that's really interesting. And um, just to get an idea also, how is this being received in China, um, both from what you're seeing in the news media and also perhaps uh, social media that you follow?
1: I think uh, if I could just give you like a firsthand uh, sense of what I've heard from friends of mine, um, one comment really sort of stayed with me where many of my friends uh, in China were born in the 1980s. So many of them were only children since the one child policy came into being in 1979. Um, And for them, uh, one friend of mine joked that the children born in the 1980s, we often think of them as being the lucky generation in China as they grew up uh, in the time of reforms and opening up. But uh, he made the point to me that it was the opposite he said, you know, we, were, we are the generation that was born without siblings. Uh, we were the generation that was born at the time of market reforms, where we were left to fend for ourselves, find our own jobs. Right. Uh, the generation that has to deal with the booming housing market and, and that can't afford uh, real estate. And now he says, they say, well, uh, you guys are free to have three children. And he says they are the people least likely to be able to afford it. So I think that kind of sums up the reaction more of a shrug where people say that the costs are so high that uh, no one, very few people would consider having three children. Uh, there were a couple of really interesting quotes in the Wall Street Journal, where they interviewed a number of uh, Chinese families uh, and asked whether this new announcement would change their minds about having larger families. Uh, wh- they quoted this one widely shared post on Chinese social media, which said, quote, I'm not buying three Rolls Royces, not because there's any restriction, but because they're expensive. Right. Um, so, so, that's, so that's the kind of sentiment that that I think broadly summed up what I saw on social media as well, which kind of hints to why those measures really haven't worked, even though they've been
0: relaxing them over the last 10 years. Right. And so, you know, what do we know about why those measures didn't work? I think there have been a number of surveys uh,
1: conducted by the government as well as academics in China. And they all point to one thing, which is prohibitive costs. In terms of uh, bringing up children, education costs. Uh, We link uh, below the podcast, if we can, Giant uh, to this paper that I have mentioned to you uh, by three Chinese economists that came out in 2021. Uh, And I found it quite interesting, where they looked at the 2015 two-child policy and whether it worked or not. And what they found was really interesting. Uh, So they found that the two-child policy did substantially increase the number of second child births among the segment of the population that was less sensitive uh, to the costs of bringing up children. But they found that overall, in this period, first child births were decreasing because of those same costs. So they found that on the whole, that there wasn't really a net positive impact of the policy. Uh, And their conclusion was quite interesting, where they did say that most developing countries, and India is among them, even without China's stringent policies did experience declines uh, and their suggestion was that policymakers should give priority to reducing costs borne by parents. That was the key and not just simply relaxing or abolishing birth quotas, which they said is fairly a meaningless exercise without taking on those structural problems, which explains why over the last 10 years you've had decreasing births even though They've been relaxing birth quotas, so I think the paper makes a very persuasive case for that. Now, to be fair, giant, it's not just that the Politburo bureau said, "Hey, everybody can have three children and good luck with that." They did. Yeah. Una- they did acknowledge that there were these structural issues uh, and that they were going to do something about it. For instance, they said um, that they would, among things, they would do, was to develop a universal childcare services system. They said they would promote fairness in education uh, and increase the supply of quality educational resources and take measures to reduce family spending on education. So they are aware that this is a very significant reason for that. Uh, But it's going to be very difficult because it's it's easier said than done. How are you going to do that uh, in a country of China's size? It's, it's, It's not going to be easy for that to happen overnight. But the other interesting thing, which I think not many people outside of China have paid much attention to, is that they still haven't abandoned family planning. Three-child policy still is a part of family planning. And there's a reminder in the Politburo statement which says that China would continue to implement its current reward and assistance system. So if you do, for instance, they may introduce incentives for people to have three children. But the view among many people in China is the financial incentives are so low that it just doesn't make sense when the cost of, of raising one child is so high. So unless that changes, unless those financial incentives changes, it's not going to mean very much. Um, and I think it's it's quite interesting still that they haven't abandoned family planning. I think there are many, many reasons for that, uh, which are quite striking, including the fact that I think those of us outside China still uh, sometimes find it hard to imagine how pervasive and entrenched the family planning bureaucracy is. Every village, uh, every... even district in every city has a family planning agency right. uh, there are tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people employed by the family uh, planning authorities whose job is to ensure that uh, people are following those rules uh, there's a huge system of fines I haven't seen recent numbers but millions of dollars of fines are paid every year by people who who violate the family planning rules so there's this huge bureaucratic I would say even inertia that that stands in the way of them completely abandoning family planning, which is what many people would say they should do after so many years.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up that aspect because that brings us to talking about the comparison with India. So one very obvious way in which people understand this is that, you know, India didn't go down that family planning route. China went down right. this route for so long, which is why, you know, the situations of the two countries are where they are. Or you know, uh, people sort of compare those policies. So, um, do we have an idea of how? I'm going to ask you this question, but there's also an article written by a reporter Jagriti Chandra, which we will link to right. also on this podcast. But just to give our listeners an initial idea, how is this this news of this three-child policy being received by experts in India who study I population? Think, yeah,
1: yeah, I think giant that broadly speaking, China is quite rightly being seen as a warning as a note of caution to any country that is harboring dreams of major demographic interventions, and China shows you that they can have unintended consequences. Another point about China's family planning that I would like to add uh, to my last answer is that it's quite ironic uh, and unfortunate that even though they are now encouraging uh, some Chinese families to have three children that There have been so many accounts of other places in China, uh, such as Xinjiang, the Muslim-majority province in Western China, where there still are major campaigns uh, to force people to have fewer children. Uh, So it kind of shows you that they're still trying to manage population in a way they quote-unquote desirable elements to have more children and others not to. Um, And I think that for India as well, we should pay attention to the fact that such state-led intervention of deciding who should have Who is entitled to have many children? Who who should be having less children? I think there's no space for a state to have that kind of say in people's lives. Uh, And I would say that's a broad reaction as well. Jagrati Chandra, our colleague, had a very interesting article where there were several experts in India who were saying the same thing, that it serves as a warning, especially if India has been considering, or some people in India have been advocating two-child limits. Um, They were saying that that could have unintended impacts on India's population, even though it is in many states, naturally declining uh, in the way that it does for many developing countries uh, and developed countries as well without coercive family planning measures. Uh, One expert uh, at the Population Council of, of India pointed out, in fact, that in some states like Sikkim, Andhra Pradesh, Delhi, Kerala, Karnataka, actually the total fertility rate even now is below the replacement level. And I think that it's quite interesting that even demographers in China I found one interesting interview with a demographer in Beijing who said that population should not be looked at as a burden, but as an opportunity. And he made the point, this is a Chinese demographer, made the point that uh, the last thing India should do is to take a leaf out of China's book and instead it should look at its population as a dividend and, take and focus on policy measures to get the best out of that population, to ensure that they are better educated, better health services. Those are the top two things. Uh, that uh, that many that people say, uh, what's needed, and then of course to ensure they have jobs. So I think the whole mindset has changed over the last decade to look at population as a dividend rather than as a burden. Of course, it's a, it's one thing to say it, but then it requires policymakers to ensure that the dividend remains a dividend.
0: Right. Okay, Anand, I think we'll wrap up this conversation here. So um, a couple of things. Uh, one is that at the start, I mentioned that Anant and I did a podcast on China's population census figures on the 11th of May. And um, if you want to get a clearer picture of what we're talking about today and some more background context, please go and find that podcast as well. You can scroll down our playlist if you're listening on Apple or Spotify or find the podcast on the Hindu's website. And um, as we mentioned, we'll be linking to two other articles one by our colleague Jagriti Chandra and another paper that Anand referred to in this podcast. So thank you for joining us, Anand. We'll see you again soon. Thank you so much, Anand. InFocus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.